Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Build Podcast. I'm Kyle Poyer, VP of Market Strategy here at OpenView, where I help software companies accelerate growth and master my favorite area, pricing and packaging. That's why this season on Build, we're talking all about the art and science of pricing. Each week, I sit down with operators and experts to hear their pricing insights and experiences firsthand and answer some of our listeners' most burning pricing questions. Now on with the show. On today's episode of Build, I'm joined by Pre Carr and Jordan Nolf from SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey almost needs no introduction, but as we learn, the company has evolved dramatically in recent years. Pre and Jordan spoke about how pricing should evolve as you increase value for your customers and how to use surveys to capture pricing insights. Pre and Jordan, thanks for joining us. Could you give listeners a quick overview about yourselves? Yeah, thanks for having us, Kyle. I've been at SurveyMonkey almost five years, and I currently lead our business strategy, operations, corporate development team, along with strategic partnerships. And a critical component of that team is pricing and monetization. That is a new function that has been formed, and Jordan leads that up, and I'll let him introduce himself. I've been at SurveyMonkey for about two and a half years now. I currently head up our monetization and pricing strategy across the company. I joined just as pricing and packaging started to become a pretty hot topic at SurveyMonkey. And so now my purview is developing the strategy for monetization across all of our portfolio of products, both self-serve and sales-assisted, so that there's a holistic story of how a customer's needs change and how the product pricing reflects that as they move up market. Awesome. And when did you both catch the pricing bug and start to realize the importance of pricing in SaaS? So before SurveyMonkey, I worked at Bain, and pricing was just one of those great levers to create more value in a business over time. So the pricing bug is pretty old for me. But specifically at SurveyMonkey, we had not taken any pricing action for a pretty long time that was meaningful. So we would change pricing over a dollar here, a dollar there. And around 2017, we kind of saw a huge opportunity. It had been you know, a decade of delivering value to customers that we had not capitalized on in terms of a pricing or packaging change. Our customer base had changed dramatically over that time. We'd launched a bunch of different products and there was a need to rationalize across it. And we were about to undertake a pretty large brand change as well. So that all led to this is a good time for us to actually start re-examining the pricing and packaging that we've had in place for a very long time. And it was Jordan's efforts spearheading that initiative that led us to really reaccelerate growth as a result from these changes and made me realize the criticality of having this as a full function and a full-time job at the company. And it became very critical. Jordan? I joined right as we had aligned as a company to undergo this big initiative. So I helped lead that, working cross-functionally with a lot of different teams and departments here at SurveyMonkey. We did a ton of work, a lot of time spent thinking through how this will impact customers, how the best way to go about this would be to minimize impact to churn, to drive growth, reaccelerate revenue, growth over the next 12 plus months. And so after we saw the output of that effort helped me truly realize the impact that monetization can have on the growth rate of a company, especially one that's as well established as SurveyMonkey is. So from there, I worked with Pre to help build out this function so that this is something that we can focus on full-time. 
I will say the bug spreads to everyone in the company once you see the results of how meaningful pricing and packaging can be for the company. So it's been since doing that first work, very easy to get things prioritized and making this a critical component for everyone. Everyone wants to be part of pricing and packaging now. I have seen that myself. It's interesting that you talked about the evolution of SurveyMonkey. I mean, I've been a user for probably going on a decade now, and just the product experience and the robustness of the features, I mean, it's an extremely different product from back then. Let's just kind of like zoom out about SurveyMonkey in general. Almost needs no introduction, right? Pioneer in cloud software. It's kind of hard to find someone who hasn't used the product. One of the earliest freemium examples in SaaS. But could you talk a little bit about the company evolution and you know where the business is today? Yeah. So as you've mentioned, almost everyone has used SurveyMonkey either as a creator of a survey or a recipient of a survey. So that's our legacy. It started 20 years ago. It was started by the need of our founder who wanted to send a survey and didn't find a really good tool that was online to do it, created one and kind of stumbled into a great business that people had a high need for. It was one of the first kind of creators of this freemium business model where there was a free product. It had inherent virality in it because when you send a survey, there are dozens more people who receive the survey and then encounter SurveyMarkey and learn, hey, maybe I could do this myself and send another survey to others and get more information. And it has kind of grown organically for a very, very long time. Ryan, our founder, created a great pricing model at that time that served us well. It was tiered. There was some functionality in free. But as you mentioned, we have changed from being just a free, simple, easy tool to a much more business-oriented tool over time. So we packed a lot of features and functionality in that appeal to both the serious researcher while keeping the simplicity and ease of use that appealed to someone who's just starting out doing research and collecting the opinions of people. Over that time, we've also scaled to touching millions of people every single week, every single day, and collected a huge amount of data. The thing that actually led to the start of the pricing and packaging project was we actually decided to do what we should always be doing, which is survey a large number of our customers. And we discovered through that process that most of our customers were using us for a business use case. So you might have first used SurveyMonkey at school or for a personal use case, but it turns out that over 80% of our users were using us to serve a business need. And that has really directed our product roadmap and our development but also our pricing and our segmentation strategy over time. So we started building out more enterprise-grade features. We learned about the use cases that were primary in the business users, such as customer experience, and we started building out solutions around that. We discovered that people were actually collaborating a lot. It takes dozens of people to create a survey and analyze it and have impact driven in the organization through it. So we launched our team's product. So that has meant over time, we've become more enterprise grade, business centric in our offerings. We've packed a lot of features and functionality. And we've also become so much more complex in the number of products that we offer. So pricing becomes really important through that evolution and the scale in that we need different prices for different segments. We need 
pricing to be a critical part of us launching any single product in the packaging that we deliver. And we needed to appeal to the massive scale of users that we have with over 600,000 paying users at this point. Pricing actually needs to segment and absorb that scale as well. So it has been a journey of increased complexity, but also increased value delivery as we reach more customers. It's a really interesting story. And as I've told you earlier, I am one of the newest team users, was on an individual account for forever, and finally have started you know, adopting SurveyMonkey more company-wide. Could you talk a little bit more about how the kind of overarching packaging and pricing model works today? So I think you hit the nail on the head. You are kind of a prime example of someone moving up the value chain as a SurveyMonkey user. We offer our free product, which provides some basic functionality to folks testing out the product, doing some consumer-based surveys to friends, family. But ultimately, when folks get into the business need, they upgrade to one of our paid packages. So traditionally, we had had three different accounts. A person could come to our website and swipe their credit card, sign up for a monthly version, an annual version, unlock different features that solve a particular use case for them, and go about using SurveyMonkey how they see fit. In Q4 of 2018, we actually launched that Teams product that you just mentioned signing up for. So we're glad you're one of our new users of that. But essentially, we noticed that a lot of folks are collaborating on surveys within an organization. So we might have somebody that is the person actively creating and designing the survey, but it's oftentimes not done in a silo. There are other folks within the organization that need access to the survey, whether it's to collaborate and help think through the design of the survey, They want to provide comments. They want to export the data and look at the results themselves. They want to analyze the results in the product as they come up. And so we saw a need for that and built this product with collaboration in mind. So for smaller teams within an organization or smaller companies, this solution makes sense. They can sign up for two versions of this team plan that are analogous in terms of functionality from a survey perspective to those individual plans, but it gives them the capability to then collaborate with other folks within their organization. So with all of the password leaks that have been going on, what had happened in the past is a lot of folks to collaborate tended to share passwords. We know that that's not best practices. And so we helped facilitate account verification to ensure that there is one login and one user per account. This went in tandem with our Teams launch. So in conjunction with a more robust collaboration feature set, there's a security element as well to ensure that as folks leave the company, Their data doesn't go with them since we know that 80% of these customers are using it for business purposes. On top of that, we also have a sales assisted motion for our enterprise product. And so how we price and how we monetize that sales assisted function really depends on who we're talking to within the organization. It can be a specific department, say a marketing or HR function that's using SurveyMonkey with a small group for a very specific purpose. These folks need things like API and integration to ensure that their data flows into Salesforce, Marketo, Eloqua, so that they can get the survey data they have and link it with their system of record and ensure that they have a holistic view of the customer or employees or market. That's very different from the IT buyer within an organization that clearly cares about administration, security, control. One of the very nice things about being such an established company is that we often have very large footprints within Fortune 500 companies. So we'll go in and have a conversation with them about the fact that they've actually got 2,000 SurveyMonkey users, a mix of free accounts and paid accounts that are likely using the software for a variety of different business purposes. 
So we offer a solution to tailors to them to consolidate those accounts, bring them under one domain, and enable IT or procurement to manage how those licenses are used and distributed within the organization. As people move into these more team-like, enterprise-like plans, you're bringing free users on board in a monetizable capacity. So they start becoming paid users, whether it's for the security or administrative control reasons or for the value that they're receiving from the product itself. So it's a really nice escalator to move our free users up the value chain and through individual packages to teams packages to enterprise packages. I'm curious about that. So when a lot of people think about a pricing project, what goes into their mind is like raising prices. But as more of a product-led company with a viral element, obviously it's important to bring in as many users as possible into that top of the funnel. How do you think about prioritizing monetizations and also acquisition? And can you do both at the same time or is there a trade-off? Yeah, it is a careful trade-off that has to be balanced. So I'll speak first from... The specific project we did in 2017, which was the pricing revamp, and we had a lot of debates internally about, well, what were we comfortable with on the new user acquisition side to be willing to trade off? And segmentation, and I've mentioned this a few times already, is really, really critical. There are certain customers that we definitely do not want to lose, and those are our annual customers who are highly loyal to us and who stick around. It's also our existing customers because it is really hard to acquire a new customer. So you want to be really protective of your existing customers as well. So we walked into this with a very clear hypothesis of what our tolerance was for a hit on acquisition. And knowing that and what we were willing to absorb in terms of the acquisition side gave us the freedom to one leverage a lot of research going into this project. So we did a lot of customer research. We did a lot of segmentation based on that customer research and not just raising prices, but redesigning packages and packing value into those packages that we raised prices on so that it did not feel like we were just kind of turning the dial on them and just extracting value without giving any value back to the customers. So that was how we managed this trade-off. And I'm pleased to say we did not see meaningful hits on acquisition while we did substantial increases on prices because of the amount of features that our product team was able to deliver to customers during that time. And also because of the vast amount of customer research we did leading into this that helped us repackage the different tiers to those different segments and put in the features that they highly valued and highlight those features in all of our communication to them. That's what made that trade-off successful. Did we lose some new customers? Absolutely. But I think we'd be proud to say we tended to lose customers that were less valuable to us and managed to not have meaningful hits on the acquisition of the high-value customers that we had segmented in this space as well. The other angle of this is not just about new customer acquisition as a recurring revenue business. The valuable revenue is your existing customers. So we took a very different approach to raising prices on our existing customers. It was gradual. We had a lot of communication around value. It took into account what they were currently paying, their propensity to churn. We were really surprised we were able to do this. We barely saw any churn impact of all of those price increases because it was so carefully planned. 
I mean, I think there's a ton of great advice in what you just said. I mean, I agree with all of it. Everything from making sure you know through research what the true impact would be from changing pricing, timing the pricing changes so that they correspond with more value for the customer. They're getting more when they're paying more. And then making sure that you're treating the existing loyal customers thoughtfully and probably differently from new customers. So obviously, you know, you said that in 2017, you kicked off this pricing project. Before that, you hadn't changed pricing for quite a while, or at least not in a meaningful way. What were some of the signals that you looked at to tell you it's time to refresh things? Our competitors' prices were changing while ours weren't. So that was one of the signals. The second was just the velocity of what we've packed into the product and the lack of awareness on our current customer base of what was in the product. So as part of the research project, we also asked people who were existing customers what they knew about what the SurveyMonkey had to offer. Most of the requested features were already features that we had and that were available to those customers as well. They just didn't know about it. So these customers were receiving more value, but they didn't know they had it. And their price points they're willing to pay were tied to the value that they perceived they were receiving. So we knew there was just a gap between the value we had built, the value the customers were actually utilizing, and the willingness to pay. So we knew there was room to move upwards on that trajectory as well. And what this really taught me was the importance of doing constant research with the customers. We should not have gone that long without touching our prices and built that much functionality without moving our prices in a meaningful way. And this was an opportunity for us to correct that. But we should also in the future not go that long without doing it again. It becomes an iterative, continual process that Jordan manages. And we need to do the customer research constantly to understand what the value perception is and what is the gap versus what we deliver today and what is the gap versus what they think they should pay. And that research as an ongoing capability is critical to realize the most value for the business. I think that's great advice. And when I've done benchmarking research with SaaS companies, it turns out most companies are not really doing much customer research to understand value, perception, or willingness to pay for their product. So for companies that are you know, thinking about doing this research, maybe for the first time, what advice do you have about how to survey users about pricing and value? One of the key things here is understanding what your hypothesis is and having a pretty strong understanding of what you're going into testing with. Before we went out and did the large-scale survey that Pre had mentioned, we had done a bunch of segmentation work on our customers in terms of how they're using the product, who they are, to understand some rough ideas of how these customers are interacting with the product. From there, we actually conducted some qualitative interviews as well before going out with a quant study. We did over 30 interviews with existing customers. We also reached out to folks that weren't necessarily SurveyMonkey customers to understand what the market perception is of the product, understand how they're using surveys, understand what their perceptions of a proposed pricing and packaging model might look like so that we could attribute those to the segments and understand qualitatively who are these folks outside of the data that we can see and get the voiceover of how they're using the product from their own mouths and from the experiences that they've had. From there, we generated more concrete ideas of what we wanted to go into testing with. And at that point, we designed the quantitative survey around drilling into how folks are utilizing SurveyMonkey so that we could tie that back to that particular segment's willingness to pay 
and their perception of the pricing and packaging that we had planned to go out to market with. What we found and what is interesting to do and a recognition I would make for other companies doing this is to provide segmentation between existing customers and prospects. So what we did, we surveyed a bunch of SurveyMonkey users. We also surveyed using a panel folks that may or may not have been SurveyMonkey users to understand the differences between our existing customers and the market. And what we found, probably unsurprisingly, was that the market had a much higher willingness to pay than our existing customers. Our existing customers are anchored to a lower price point. A lot had been longtime SurveyMonkey users that had been grandfathered into legacy packages and prices since they had signed up, really, and which is in some cases was upwards of 10 years paying the same price. And so it's understandable that they were expecting to pay a different amount than what someone that is net new to SurveyMonkey would pay. That helped derive our strategy on grandfathering and stepping folks gradually up to the new sticker prices. So it wasn't a shock to them that they were going to have to go potentially 100% up in their price because that's what the market was willing to pay. So I think that segmentation, understanding the market, understanding your existing customers is pretty crucial prior to designing the survey. The other thing I would just add on that is we waited too long to do that kind of project. If you are starting up now, the lift is going to be lighter if you're constantly in tune with your customers and understanding that. So setting up a regular cadence of checking in with either interviews or survey-driven research of this is what our customers are doing and this is how the market is changing as we exist in the market, that will be really helpful. And hopefully now that we've done this and we adopt more of the steady cadence of optimization, we won't have another year where it took kind of a very large cross-functional team to buy into this, to execute this, and to change prices for literally every single person who took SurveyMonkey. So that'd be my advice is to do everything Jordan said, but do it early and do it regularly. Yeah, it was almost like you built up technical debt with pricing by waiting. Do you have specific questions that you found to generate amazing insights or kind of aha moments, whether it's with customers or prospects? We leveraged a Van Westendorf pricing sensitivity as part of our quant survey. It's really a set of four questions that help you generate a supply and demand curve. You ask your customers, you present them with a set of packages and ask them, at what point is this so cheap you wouldn't consider it a quality product? At what point is this considered a bargain? At what point is this starting to become too expensive? And at what point is this so expensive that I wouldn't purchase this? It ultimately derives supply and demand curve. You look at the intersections between the two to understand the range of willingness to pay between your different customer segments. Visualizing that was kind of the aha moment for a lot of our internal stakeholders, especially among folks that had been here for a while. I think the perception was that we can't really change prices this much. We're going to get a giant backlash. Folks are going to churn. No one's going to sign up for the product anymore. And when we plotted those out on the screen, you could see even our existing customers had higher willingness to pay than what they were currently paying. But the market was upwards of 20 to 40%, depending on the segment, higher than what our current prices were. So that was really the justification that got a lot of legacy folks at SurveyMonkey on board with this could actually work because this was data generated at scale from thousands of users and prospects that we leveraged to generate initial price points that when we went into the A-B testing phase, we then optimized further. 
I love asking a Van Westendorp. Everyone is always influenced by those results and it can totally change perceptions. You know, I know the first pricing project was a pretty big lift. What were some of the different kind of stakeholders that you wanted to get involved in? How did you want to be able to go about getting buy-in internally? We had at least one stakeholder from pretty much every department in the company when we did this which was critical in getting buy-in since different folks were participating in different aspects of the projects. Obviously, the research team was crucial in doing some of the initial legwork, designing the quant survey, helping us do some of the analysis and segmentation work. Product team is the one that's helping to drive and design this from the technical perspective. Engineering team is the one executing. Product marketing has to ensure that the packaging makes sense. Marketing has to have all the collateral that goes out Sales has to understand the impact that this is going to generate on leads comparing what the self-serve packages are to what sales is pitching. So it really was a cross-functional effort across every team in the company that we wanted to bring along the journey. Because if we didn't get buy-in upfront, it would have made our lives a lot more difficult during the implementation phase. There's a big countdown calendar and we would rip off the pages every single day. So it became kind of what we were living and breathing as a company for this big event. The stakes were high. They better deliver, but it got everyone excited internally. And there was just a cultural ethos of this is good for our business and good for our customers because it's not that we're messing up our customer relationship. We've been really thoughtful about how we approach it. And we're a customer first, product first company. So we packed value to both of those. It was just really important to get everyone aligned and just constant communication because there's so many pieces that have to move together. All the teams that Jordan mentioned, but also spanning teams like legal needs to make sure it matches our terms to finance needs to make sure it matches our financial models and forecasts. Everyone needed to be brought along in every step of the journey. And this was actually a long process to roll out with lots of piloting, A-B testing, rolling out to different cohorts of users. So there were regular check-ins and steering committees where the operating group was checking in on how are all of the pieces moving. But the steering committee was also looking at the numbers and the thresholds we'd set initially at the start of the project for our tolerance, for acquisition, for churn, that were being checked on by the executive team and had high visibility as a result. So the whole company knew what was happening. They were informed and decisions were being made on a very regular cadence. And that, I think, is critical for success of something that meaningful. Yeah, it sounds like treating it like a new product launch. I love having a countdown and generating excitement about that and repositioning it, not just as a sort of pricing change, but as a much bigger event and something that, you know, you're recognizing that there was a lot of thought into it and it's beneficial for both you and customers. I think that is actually important. And we haven't mentioned this and some may think it is crazy, but we paired it with our entire brand relaunch on the same exact day that we did the pricing change. So every page on Survey Monkey looked different that very day. So it wasn't just about changing prices. This was really about changing Survey Monkey, the whole experience. And price happened to be one component of it, but packages, the look and feel, the features that were available to customers, everything changed. So it was truly a new SurveyMonkey relaunch that day. New prices and packages came along with it. I'd echo that. The fact that we coupled this with the relaunch of SurveyMonkey was one of our key learnings as to why this initiative in part was so successful. Obviously, we did a lot of research. We understood that the market had a bigger appetite for pricing increases. But when it comes down to it, 
especially with our existing customer base. Coupling this with new feature launches and an entirely new website fundamentally shifts the value of the product and helps justify those price increases that we had made. So that helped minimize a lot of the negative reactions we might have otherwise seen. Well, and I'm sure you're excited that the launch is now past you. Looking forward, I guess, as you continue to build new features and innovate from a kind of feature functionality standpoint, how are you thinking about incorporating pricing in the building and launch process for new product offerings? For us, it's both in the building of the new product offerings, but also in our existing products. So we put the SurveyMonkey core platform at the heart of all of our product offerings, but we pack more features into it. So we're constantly revisiting prices market by market and looking at the data coming in of how conversion is doing, how retention is doing, and how the market dynamics are changing and customer reactions to constantly adjust prices. But Jordan has been talking a lot about not just testing product market fit, but also testing product market and price fit for anything that we take to market, anything that we repackage. So shifting it from kind of the tail end of we've built a product, we've talked to the customers, they want the product, we're about to launch it, let's put a sticker price on it and go to market with it. Actually flipping pricing to being at the head end of the project and say, this is how we want to monetize in this particular market. And this is the type of product that will monetize well in this particular market. And having pricing being the constant thread all the way through the product development cycle and not just at the end of the product development cycle and the launch, that is how we're approaching pricing now. We also have a bunch of work to do. We've talked a lot about kind of this self-service project that we did for a self-service business, but we have a whole sales side of the house and a bunch of pricing and packaging there. So as you think about as a user who just graduated from an individual account to a team's account, one day we hope you'll graduate to an enterprise account. And all of those pricing and graduation need to make sense relative to each other. We have to have different monetization levers for those different moves that you have underway. So that's an undercurrent of all of our packages and products that we have in the market. Do they make sense relative to each other? Because you're moving through the SurveyMonkey ecosystem. And what are the price points we should sell different things at as customer needs evolve? So that's also always ongoing for us. So we hope to keep driving growth every year through pricing actions for all of our products. That's something we sign up to do. And there are different ways of attacking it. And hopefully it won't be one big lift kind of 10 years in that we do, but it will be an ongoing iteration and alignment and uh, meeting market expectations and the product roadmap. And it's at the head of the process, not at the tail end of any product launch process. I love the way you guys think about pricing and how it's really a regular activity, not a one-time thing. And it touches on just about every aspect of the company. How do you think about, you know, who should own pricing internally to make sure that, you know, the work is being done to understand value and willingness to pay and so on, but that there's also collaboration across teams to make it not just a siloed effort? Yeah, that's a great question. Since pricing touches pretty much every part of a SaaS company, and it can be a pretty sensitive topic, ultimately, we think it should be lying in a neutral party. For SurveyMonkey, that's within the business strategy and business development team. Obviously, it depends on what the skill set looks like in each company. But for SurveyMonkey, and I would imagine this is the case in a lot of other companies, sales wants everything to be monetizable. Product wants what they build 
to go out into the hands of just about everybody that can get their hands on it. So there's a balance in terms of making sure that we're acquiring customers and giving them the latest and greatest features, while also making sure we can monetize the customers accordingly. So for us, we partner with a lot of different folks in the organization, specifically product marketing and the product teams are two of our critical partners in ensuring that we have a good pulse on the customer and what their needs are, as well as what the roadmap of new features and new products looks like over the next 12 plus months so that we can understand how the monetization strategy ties in across our different portfolio products. Ultimately, the group that is responsible for pricing should have the purview over a large portion of the organization to understand all the different pieces that are moving and the direction of the company, because pricing should tell a holistic story across the products, the packages, and the users that are coming in the door. And I have one final question for you both. What are three things that you've learned about SaaS pricing and packaging that you think all startup founders should know? I think we've touched on a few of these points, but one is invest in customer research. I think that is really, really critical. And to know what your customers are willing to pay, how they're actually using your product, which features matter to them, what are their use cases. So that is really critical to getting pricing and packaging right together. The second is knowing how you're going to define success and checking in on that frequently. So the trade-off between conversion and AOVs, that's an important trade-off to know as a piece of what are you optimizing for at a company level and how do you want to set those thresholds. So those thresholds became kind of the slide we put up in every meeting of like, this is what we said we're okay with. And this is how the data is performing as we A-B test pricing. And that kind of became our guiding North Star always. The third is it's never done. It's iterative. You keep going. You keep optimizing. It becomes a practice rather than a project. And there are lots of companies that under-optimize on price. You optimize your product a lot. You optimize customer acquisition a lot. But pricing is often under-optimized and forgotten. And this is just as critical to drive growth as is tweaking acquisition funnels. Anything else you'd add, Jordan? Piggybacking off of that, as you're segmenting your customers and understanding needs, defining the right value metric, what makes sense to the customer and how that scales so that you as a company can capture some of that value that the customer is getting is a very challenging problem, but it's crucial to ensuring long-term success and growth with respect to pricing. That's great advice, Jordan and Pri. Thanks for joining the Build Podcast. It was great to have you on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in to the Build Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time.